Welcome to Tax Insights, presented by Hawkins Ash CPAs. And welcome back to the program. Once again, Jeff joins us from Hawkins Ash. Jeff, good morning, sir. Good morning, Terry. Jeff, today we want to talk about uh, continuing on the PPP loan forgiveness right now. Yeah, so on, on Friday, May 15th, the PPP loan forgiveness application was released. And, you know, there's still a lot of questions, but this document really starts to clear things up um, at least a little bit. But before we get there, let's talk about some of the other items that happened recently. You know, as kind of expected, the IRS came out and said that the PPP loan amounts that end up being forgiven, they're not going to include that as taxable income. And, you know, that's good news, but that's kind of where the good news ends, because they also said that any expenses that are paid for with loan money that's ultimately forgiven, mm -hmm. those expenses are not going to be deductible. So, you know, from what I, way I look at it, it, it kind of looks like we end up at the same place as we did before. I heard, though, that that may change. Is that correct? There is, and I hope they do, because, you know, there's talk in Washington right now to change the law so that the forgiveness portion will still not be taxable and that you can, you know, take the expenses and deduct those. So normally the IRS doesn't like double dipping, and that's really mm -hmm. what this would be is it would be double dipping. But since this program was designed to be a stimulus and to get businesses through difficult time, I think it might be, you know, needed. So I also heard that there may be some other changes coming with this. Is that correct? Yeah, there's a lot of things that are out there. Probably the two that might actually end up uh, being passed um, is, you know, right now we have that eight-week window where yep. a company can determine, you know, what their forgiveness is. I think that may expand. It may expand to 12 weeks or 10 weeks or maybe even as far as 24 weeks is what they're talking about. But I, I think we're going to see an expansion of that. Now, I wouldn't guarantee this because none of it's been passed. The other thing is, is the forgiveness part has pretty much been limited to 25% of those other non-payroll expenses and 75% of the, of the forgiveness has to be from, from payroll related. Mm -hmm. I think they may do some tweaks in those numbers too, to allow some of those non-payroll items to be forgiven at, you know, maybe higher than a 25% rate. Right. So let's talk right now about what was learned with this application. Sounds good. Well, there's a lot of things um, that we kind of now know. Um, even though, like I said earlier, there's a lot of things that we don't. But here's some of the highlights. Unlike the actual loan application, which is pretty simple, two-page form um, with some certifications, the forgiveness loan application is much more comprehensive. And it has to be because it's got to take into account you know, the actual payroll that you paid during this time and some of the limitations that you have based off of how much you pay um, in wages and how many employees that you have. It also clarifies a little bit on those companies that receive the economic disaster loan advance, you know, that EIDL loan, which was capped at $10,000. So what the PPP application does is it actually reduces the amount that can be forgiven by the amount of that loan advance. So at the end of the day, it, it ends up being a, uh, a non-taxable advance, which is going to be kind of nice. It also looks like you know, a company can include payroll costs that are what they call both paid and incurred. So, you know, a company might be able to take their first payer date after the loan was received, you know, within that eight-week period, mm -hmm. um, and use that as loan forgiveness. 
And at the end of it, they might be able to take, you know, some of the expenses that were paid for payroll that were incurred, but actually weren't paid till outside of the eight week period. So they made it, they made it so it's a little bit user friendly on the payroll side. And then they also did an alternative payroll period, which makes it kind of some of these calculations easier. I'm not going to go in detail on it. It, That's basically what it does. It just makes the calculations a little bit easier. Sure. For non-payroll costs, they also use kind of the paid or incurred during the eight-week period. So, you know, as long as those non-payroll costs are paid or they're incurred and paid kind of at the next time that they're due, those can be included now inside of the um, eight-week window. And the big thing, which I think we'll talk about next week because I still have some questions on it, is they did add a safe harbor. So if you think that, you know, your full-time equivalents might be lower during this eight-week period, or maybe you paid some employees less during this eight-week period, there's, there's some safe harbors out there now that we'll talk about next week. So although there's still a lot of unanswered questions, the picture is starting to clear up. Many companies are in the middle of their eight-week period, which makes it important for this guidance to come out really soon. We were hoping for more, but, you know, we got what we got. My thought um, is that even though it is the eight-week period, I think that that'll probably be extended. Jeff, a lot of great information each and every week here in Tax Insights. For those that want to connect with you and your team at Hawkins Ash, how do they do that? Go right to our website, hawkinsashcpas.com. Jeff, thank you for your time, and we'll talk to you next week. This has been Tax Insights, presented by Hawkins Ash CPAs. Learn more online at hawkinsashcpas.com. Hawkins Ash CPAs, part of your business, part of your life.